It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Two players that the Yankees have let go could be intriguing for other teams rebuilding. I answer a couple of questions and wonder, are we really hiring the best people? This is locked on MLB. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. As you can tell from my lower third, you can please call me Sully back on YouTube after fixing a couple of technical problems. Hey, thanks so much for making Locked On MLB your first listen as we're available on all your free podcasting catchers. Hey, follow us on Twitter at Locked On MLB Pod. Same handle for Instagram. I'm really quick to answer my Twitter, which is at Sully Baseball, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. This is being dropped on the 22nd day of November 2021, a very, very happy birthday to Lisa Zambetti, who those of you who know me know that you know that I know who she is. Okay, Uh, by the way, let's take a look at who was born on November 22nd. Uh, This is also anniversary of a pretty terrible day in American history, which I won't get into now, but some uh, players like the great Lou Burdett, who won three games in the 1957 World Series, was the pitcher on the mound 
when the Braves clinched the World Series against the New York Yankees, the only World Series title the city of Milwaukee has ever had. The Bull, Greg Luzinski, who was a huge home run hitter for the Philadelphia Phillies in the late 70s and early 80s, and then later helped the White Sox win the 1983 uh, uh, American League East uh, West title. Sorry, the Cubs were in the East. The White Sox were in the West. Not that that's confusing. Hey, World Series champion Drew Pomerantz, who was part of the 2018 Red Sox, a little bit of a spit in the face in terms of Pomerantz because he was on the roster and an active pitcher. And the Red Sox played that 18-inning game three of the World Series. And Pomerantz never got the call. They let Nathan Eovaldi pitch until his arm fell off before bringing in Pomerantz. And eventually, Eovaldi let up a walk-off home run after pitching six brilliant innings out of the bullpen. The next day, they didn't have a starting pitcher. They used all their starters in game three. And so they started Eduardo Rodriguez on no day's rest. And Rodriguez pitched into the six. Eventually, the Red Sox won that game and went on to win the World Series. I can't help but wonder what Drew Pomerantz is saying. Hey, um, I'm rested. Hi. Well, but do you know what? I'm sure he's just fine. He did pitch in the playoffs for the Red Sox the previous years and wound up winning a World Series ring for his trouble. Hey, another person who was thrown into the midst of a long 18-inning game was also born on November 22nd. That was Yosmero Petit who came in and pitched six shutout innings out of the bullpen in an 18-inning game between San Francisco and Washington. And that was a game where the, the Nationals were the best team in the National League that year, and the Giants were the visiting team of the wildcard game. They happened to get a great performance by Madison Bumgarner to beat a pretty talented Pirates team. But everybody in their cow thought that this might be the Nationals' year, best team in the National League, the Giants were going to be, you know, they were lucky to even make the postseason. Giants wound up winning that first game. And then the Nets had a lead with two outs of the ninth inning. And the the Sandoval hit this, tied the game. And then it just kept going and going and going. And Bochy handed the ball to Petit. And he just went the rest of the way. And finally, Brandon Belt hit the home run. The Giants were up 2 nothing. Ironically, the only game the Giants lost in that division series was started by Madison Bumgarner, his lone blemish in that year's postseason. But then Matt Williams managed horrifically in game four and the Giants won that, went on to beat St. Louis and went up to beat Kansas City and then went up winning the World Series. And a big deal that had to do with Yosemero Petit's great performance out of the bullpen. Happy birthday to him. A couple of people who became unlikely or let's just call them unpredictable postseason heroes Ricky Lede who was brought up late in the great season of 1998 one of the great seasons in baseball history and the Yankees recalled him late as if they needed anyone else and in the division series he didn't play a single game in the league championship series he got in a couple of games got five at bats went over five was a bench player in the world series batted 600 he batted 600 with three doubles, four runs batted in, an OPS of 1.515 and became a postseason legend for the Yankees. Later hit a critical grand slam in the 1999 ALCS 
against the Red Sox. So it became one of those players who came up and then then got kicked around between the Indians and the he was part of the deal that brought um, David Justice to the Yankees and you know, bounced between the Rangers and the Phillies and the Giants and the Dodgers and the Mets, uh, but will always be beloved as a Yankee postseason legend, you know, like you do. And then came Johnny Gomes, who's also celebrating a birthday today. Uh, Johnny Gomes, who played a memorable season and a half with the Red Sox, where he got a critical home run in the World Series against the St. Louis Cardinals, wound up being getting a World Series ring there, played in the postseason with Cincinnati, twice with Oakland, and was part of the Reds team that wound up winning the World Series, wasn't on the active roster, but seemed to be the loudest one on the bench cheering. So there's a lot of people having birthdays on November 22nd, besides Lisa Zambetti. Hey, I want to give a welcome to someone who's brand new, floating along the River Sully and joining the the family here of Lockdown MLB, Michael Hughes, who's uh, normally I'm suspicious of someone whose name is on Twitter, a name followed by eight numbers, Michael at Michael four, seven, nine, Oh, six, eight, six, three. I, I know I'm going to suspect you're not a Russian bot. Michael Hughes um, said he started listening to lockdown the other day. He's enjoying it. Thank you. Thank you. And Michael, I hope, you know, as everyone else knows that this is my favorite time to do a podcast because I, you know, during the regular season, you need a baseball fix, you turn on a baseball game, but it's not always that easy to turn on a baseball game when you're in the middle of, you know, the off season. So um, we're here for you and we're going to be talking baseball all off season long. And if there is a lockout, guess what? I'm doubling down. I'm going to be producing even more. So we have some positive baseball content to talk about because when it comes down to labor stuff, I don't know. I have nothing to say. Hey, uh, let's answer a couple of tweets. If you have any questions you want to do, send me, send me tweets. Send me tweets. If you have any requests for an episode topic, send it to me at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Uh, Scott Campbell at MTG Pack Foils, who's a very uh, loyal listener, said of all, the, uh, wrote to me, of all the teams that switch leagues, which one would you want to see back to their original league when MLB expands? Would you want any current teams to move to another league? Uh, well, and, and, for the people who are new to the podcast, maybe you don't know this about me. Uh, I'm a Taurus. I like long walks on the beach and Italian food. I also would like to see baseball realign, especially if they're going to do the universal DH. I'm not a fan of the universal DH. I like that both leagues have different rules. But if we have to have a universal DH, and it looks like it's going to happen, then there's no difference between the American League and National League anymore. So let's just realign. Let's have as I said, four regional divisions, North, South, Central, West. And you'd have all the California teams, you have all the Northeastern teams, you have the Southern team, you have the Central teams. They would all be, they'd be in the same division, probably play an unbalanced schedule. They play each other more and then they play out of division fewer times. And, and if you're going to have a universal DH, then that makes it more equitable. And then you set up the league championship series and a world series being the, you know, between the best team of this division versus that division. I haven't worked out all the kinks, so that's what I would do. Um, 
I have to say, I, I still find it strange that Houston's in the American League more than I find Milwaukee. And part of the reason, though, even though I grew up with the Brewers as an American League team, Milwaukee has a National League history. As I mentioned earlier, when I brought up Lou Burdett, the Braves won the World Series. Hank Aaron is a figure of Milwaukee. I more than Atlanta, at least in my brain. And he and the lone World Series title that has been won in Milwaukee was a National League title. So it doesn't feel strange that Milwaukee is a National League team. They have a natural rival with the Cubs. It, the Astros are just such a quintessential National League team for me. Now, part of this is the era that I grew up in. I grew up in predominantly the 1980s, a little bit of the late 70s, but mainly the 1980s. And there was a sort of otherworldliness of the National League growing up in the suburbs of Boston. You only saw the National League at the All-Star Game, the World Series, and a few games of the week here or there. And when I visited my relatives who lived in Bridgeport, Connecticut, you got to see a couple of Mets games on Channel 9. But the National League was the sort of, it looked and felt different. There were more of the cookie-cutter parks. There was more AstroTurf. There was more stolen bases. It was a faster game. The National League was a faster game. And the Astros seemed to epitomize that. There were more traditional-looking uniforms in the American League with the Red Sox and the Tigers and the Yankees and the Indians and, you know, the Orioles. They, they, looked, they looked more traditional. And a lot of the National League teams looked more funky and futuristic and nothing was more funky and futuristic than the Astros with the, the, the orange stripes and playing in a dome. So I, if any team would have to change leagues, kind of you know, put the Astros back in the National League where they belong. I was really, in a way, you know, uh, part of me would have loved to have seen the Astros play the Brewers in the World Series just to be just because how weird that is. Oh, wait, which league is it? Which league are they in? Which What's going on here? I, I just, I, I never liked the, I, you know, it, it still looks weird that the Dodgers and the Astros play in the World Series. That just looks weird to me. You know, the Astros playing the Nationals in the World Series didn't seem as weird to me because I associate Washington with the American League. Now, granted, for most of my life, there was no team in Washington. And so the only experience I have with a team in Washington is with the Nationals. But as a, someone who's a big fan of baseball history, Washington was an American League team. That's where the Senators played. So the Astros playing the Senators isn't as strange as the Astros playing the Braves or the Dodgers or the Red Sox playing the Astros in the ALCS or the Yankees playing the Astros in the ALCS. You know, the Astros played the White Sox in both the World Series and the Division Series. That's weird. Um, but I, I do think baseball could use that realignment. You know, the, the differences between the leagues are now, if, especially if it's a universal DH, what's the difference? Why, why, why are we doing are we Why are we keeping this charade? that there's an AL and an NL. It's called baseball. Even the umpires aren't AL and NL umpires. They're Major League Baseball umpires. You know, there used to be two leagues that were run really separately with different league presidents and different league interests. That's why the National League has, a, has no DH because the National League did not vote for one. 
but it's different now. The, the World Series was created as kind of an olive branch between these two competing leagues. And the teams were put into cities to compete. That's why you had so many teams, so many cities with multiple teams. You know, they put a team in to compete with the Braves or compete with the Cubs or compete with the Giants, you know, or the, or the Cardinals. And there weren't a lot of, you know, there was a lot of that kind of rivalry. And now that that's gone, um, I just don't see the point. I don't see the point. I mean, look at, uh, and, and there's not the unique element of seeing the two leagues when they play each other at the All-Star Game of the World Series because there's so much interleague play. So don't, why fight that? Why fight that for tradition? Tradition's a great song in Fiddler on the Roof, but and there's there's there are wonderful traditions to hold on to in baseball. But I think that realignment, which by the way Charlie Finley fought for back in the 1970s, he thought, you know, why are the Giants and A's in different leagues? Why don't they play each other? It's a natural rivalry, and he was right. He was right. So look at that's my short answer. Maybe it's a long answer. I don't know. I, I thought I was going to get to a couple more questions, but uh, maybe I'll get to a few after I get to the break here. But uh, anyway, I just want to just uh, bring that up because, you know, that's just it, it's just a silly way to do it. And, and you, you know, it's we consume sports differently than we did at the turn of the 19th to the 20th century. Hell, we consume differently than we did at the start of the 21st century. There's all sorts of things that we do in terms of consuming our sports that are just totally different. I mean, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. You've got another one that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. you got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. I want to tell you something. There's a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying around can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, everyone. I want to just point out i need to make a correction i made a mistake and those sometimes happen when you do a podcast and you're speaking kind of quickly and with only limited notes i have some bullet points in front of me but i try to you know speak from the heart as best as i can and i said in one of my rantings about johnny gomes that he won another world series ring with the reds which he clearly didn't he was not a member of the 1990 reds he played in the postseason with the reds in 2010 but he was part of the royals when they won the World Series in 2015, but didn't play, but he was like the big cheerleader on the team there. So forgive me, your pal Sally made a mistake. But Johnny Gomes is somewhat tangentially related to the rant. I'm going to go on a little bit here that the 
Yankees have a bunch of players in the farm system that they're trying to protect and put on their 40-man roster and have them not be selected in the Rule 5 draft. We saw that with Whitlock being signed by the Red Sox last year in the Rule 5 draft, the Yankees can't afford to let a lot of their young players support other organizations. So the Oswaldo Cabreras and the Everson uh, Pereira, I, some of these are people whose names I'm not saying out loud until just now. Stephen Riddings, J.P. Sears are some of the players according to MLB trade rumors on other sites who the Yankees are trying to protect. And so they have to make room on the 40-man rosters, which meant they've designated for assignment Clint Frazier, Rugnet Odor, and Tyler Wade. Now, what does this have to do with Johnny Gomes? Well, when Johnny Gomes won that World Series ring with the 2013 Red Sox, they the Red Sox were coming off a horrific 2012 season and somehow won the World Series the next year. And one of the things they had, they had horrible years from a bunch of their pitchers the previous years and some of them bounced back lester bounced back buckholtz had a good first half lackey was at least effective and they dug up a a, a diamond in the rough as a closer was Kochi Uhara. but one thing the red sox did that year in 2013 which could be a blueprint for teams coming off of a terrible year is they knew they had players coming up through their farm system and they did but they plug the holes with major leaguers. And a lot of times there are major leaguers who needed something to prove. Major leaguers who weren't huge established stars, but wanted to show that they could be better than the back of their baseball card would indicate. Now, there have been examples of teams trying this and then not working. Last year's Kansas City Royals team saw the Royals pick up some veterans that they plugged in. And despite having a wonderful season from Salvador Perez, uh, the team didn't quite work, and they traded away some of their players. But I do admire that the Royals that year, at least you know, last year at least, tried, made sure that there were major leaguers on the team. But a lot of times you see a player who has been in a bad situation sometimes may blossom if they get out of that situation, which brings me to Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier was a player who was brought in when the Yankees dealt – Andrew Miller to the Cleveland Indians in the middle of the 2016 season. Now Miller became a key member of the Indians team that got within one swing of winning the World Series. In fact, was the League Championship Series MVP. But Frazier was a number five pick overall in the first round of the 2013 draft. Frazier was a right-handed power hitter who had a ton of promise. And whether it was been injuries or being part of the numbers game or just not fitting in with the team, for whatever reason, Frazier, who's had bursts of playing well, uh, bursts, he hit 12 home runs in 69 games in 2019 in the truncated season of 2020. He played 39 of the Yankees' 60 games had an OPS over 900 uh, and wound up hitting a home run in the division series against Tampa Bay. But for whatever reason, it just never clicked with the New York Yankees. And he's now designated for assignment and could be picked up by a team. He may be cut. They may try to outright him to the minor leagues. If I were a team that were perennial rebuilders, or teams that have a ton of prospects 
but not a lot on the major league level. Or you're just trying to fix holes. I would take a good long look at the players that the Yankees got rid of. Frazier is a young, talented player, some injury issues, but also some numbers issues, who may blossom getting the hell out of New York. You know, he had the big head of hair and everything like that that he had to cut to make sure he fit with the conservative Yankees. Maybe he should go to a team like the Orioles, like the Marlins, like the Rangers, like the Rockies, a team where there's not a lot of pressure, not a lot of expectations, or find himself on a team where there may be some expectations that could use a little boost here or there, like St. Lou or the Seattle Mariners. Or that weird organization in Oakland who every time you count them out, they wind up winning 90 games. And every time you think they're going to win the World Series, they fall out. Clint Frazier is kind of like what Johnny Gomes was when the Red Sox picked him up before the 2013 season. Now, things can go perfectly like that when you have a Gomes or, you know, forget the Red Sox. Look at how like Jorge Soler, who was flopping and floundering, like a fish on the dock when he was playing with Kansas City, the aforementioned Royals, winds up going to a new situation in Atlanta, becomes a World Series MVP, joining Eddie Rosario, who was in a similar situation in Cleveland, comes over Atlanta, and it fits well. When you're an early pick, your top five pick, like Clint Frazier was, and someone who shows flashes of being a truly talented player, isn't this the type of guy, especially if you're those teams that I just mentioned, where there's not a lot of expectations, that you put someone like that in and things can click? I'll tell you the team I think you can work great in, and I'm dead serious when I say this. The Mets. The Mets need someone with some power, who could spark the team, who could give the club a little bit of a boost. And heck, he already has a place near New York. Of course, the ideal place for him to be, ironically, Cleveland. Cleveland has the pitching to win the World Series, quite frankly. They just have a dreadful offense and a terrible outfield. Ironically, they traded away the National Championship Series MVP in Rosario. But maybe, just maybe, his proper fit will be the team that drafted him. That saw the potential in him. If you're putting together a team, yes, you want to have young players to come up there. But one of the things that happens along the way is you see veterans who are unsigned because they're squeezed out from the teams that want to sign their superstars to long-term deals like the Rays are trying to do with Wander Franco right now. And the players who are in the middle go, like, well, why would we pay a guy $3 million, $4 million, $5 million when we can just get a guy from the minor leagues because we're trying to tank anyway. Frazier is someone, who, if you've got a scouting department, you know what you can pull out of this guy. Could be that, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar, but he is someone with talent and with ability. And sometimes there are examples of players who are very high draft picks, who don't pan out right away as instant stars, who you know bounce around and bounce around and then finally find that role where they click and sometimes contribute and even win postseason MVP awards. 
One player like that, Andrew Miller, who was a member of the Yankees and then traded for Clint Frazier. Teams in a proverbial rebuild take a good long look at this guy. He's a talented person who's had injury issues and some other issues. Bring him aboard, watch him relax, and watch him become a star on your team. And when that happens, that would be a general manager who deserves a treat. I'm going to talk about general managers a little bit in the final segment of this podcast. But this podcast is brought to you in part by Built Bars. Now, Thanksgiving's just in a couple of days, and I love Thanksgiving. All the good food and treats, plenty of them. But if you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar, it's the first time, the perfect time, and the first time on Thanksgiving, at least, for Built Bars. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. Slice of pie is upward of 300 calories. That's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and plenty of protein. Now, I happen to love raspberry. I love a raspberry pie. Never had raspberry pie for Thanksgiving, but I digress. I may grab myself a raspberry Built Bar, which is my personal favorite flavor. Now, guess what? Built Bar is a great option for when you're hungry, and if Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar, too, which are low-calorie, low-carb, low-fat, and high in protein. There's new surprises all month. Limited time flavors are arriving at Built Bar regularly, so check the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday, so mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with lots of surprises. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com and get you those Built Bars. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You know, there has been a lot written about the lack of diversity of some of the hires in baseball, especially when it comes down to management and when it comes down to general managers and managers and everything like that. And it is something that you is been kind of a, a, a cloud over baseball for a little while. I mean, it's something Jackie Robinson talked about shortly before he died in the 1972 World Series, made a plea to see black managers in baseball. And there have been some, there have been few, there have been a lot. And the general managers, the diversity in of hires has been, you know, pretty, pretty bad, or at least, you know, pretty homogenized. To not put a value on it. And a lot of uh, names recycled or a lot of friends of the owners or whatever from Harvard come in and take over the job. And it it sort of leaves a bad taste in your mouth sometimes. But I will say this, okay, and for those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm not turning this into a political soapbox. I'm just pointing out 
some facts here. One of the biggest arguments against people talk about hiring in terms of diversity or in terms of seeing seeing that the group of people running the show don't all look the same, don't all have the same background. The common argument against that is that shouldn't matter. It should always be the best people that you hire no matter what. And yeah, I, I agree with that. But the question is, why do the best people all tend to look the same if that's what's happening? And are the best people being hired? Are we seeing the best people being hired for the big jobs? To that, I present to you what happened with the Mets. The Mets, who are a mess right now, mind you, finding themselves finally with a general manager. You know, they hired a general manager in mid-November. There's a lockout that is all but certain to happen in about a week and a half. And oh yeah, Thanksgiving's coming up. And yes, yes, I know some general managers work all through Thanksgiving. Hell, Theo Epstein had Thanksgiving dinner with Kurt Schilling and pretended that those horrible mashed potatoes tasted good just to charm Kurt Schilling to make sure he comes to Boston and not to the Yankees. Yeah, that sometimes happens, but you probably kind of should have had a GM lined up and nobody seemed to want the job, which is weird. You know, <laughs> there was all this like, you know, talking about, well, was it because they're afraid of New York? No, 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 no. They just did the organization's a mess. And so who was hired? Who was the best person hired? Okay. It was San Diego native Billy Epler. Now, Billy Epler is someone with a, uh, you know, uh, a, a former player, at least in college. Um, he had a background working for as a scout with the Rockies. He was in the uh, Tampa office of the Yankees and then was part of, you know, was let go in the turmoil when Brian Cashman basically took over the team. Uh, he came over to the Angels, and then um, there you go. When Jerry Depoto left, he wound up taking over the Angels as general manager. And from 2015 to 2020, he was the GM of the Angels. And the Angels are now. Let me let me point this out. I'm sitting here in Southern California. I spend a bunch of time in Orange County and everything like that. The Angels are a wealthy team. Orange County is a wealthy part of the United States. The Angels have a gigantic media contract, television, all this other stuff, gigantic contract. They make tons of money and they're a pretty popular team. Attendance-wise, TV ratings-wise, the Angels are a very popular team in Southern California. They've got money. They also have the best player on the planet Earth. As I said, a player who was forged on Mount Olympus and brought down, handed to the Angels. And this player who could very well say, I'm out of here. I'm heading to Philly or heading to wherever, has signs that I'm staying with the Angels. I want to win as an angel. 
Billy Epler inherited this team. And for a period of time, his main competition was a Rangers team that's in flux, a rebuilding Astros team, and an A's team whose budget is smaller than locked on MLBs. And the Seattle Mariners who can't make the playoffs. And in his stretch of 2015 to 2020, he made the postseason exactly zero times. All he had to do a couple of those years was put a mediocre team around the Angels. There were some mediocre teams making the wild card during that stretch. The A's stripped down their team and built it back up. They stripped down the team after the 2014 season, Epler's first year there, and by 2018, they were back in the playoffs again. They were able to rebuild. The Rangers strip-mined their team. When he took over the team, the, the Astros were just finally starting to get good, but they weren't a juggernaut yet. This guy had, as I said, all he had to do to get the Angels in the postseason in 2020 was be mediocre. 500 would have done the trick. You know, there are some years where the Twins or the Rays were not that great. And we're making the postseason. This guy, given piles of money and a superstar at the heart of the team, could not assemble a mediocre team. And he's been given the car keys to a team in New York a high-profile team, a team that for the for baseball, baseball works best when New York is playing. This is just Northeastern bias. There's a lot of attention given in New York. There's a lot of transplanted New York fans, and people like to root against New York in baseball. You need to have those, those built-in teams to root against. And the Mets are bringing this guy aboard. And I'm asking you, is this the best person? Is this the best talent? We're talking about, well, you know, what should matter is getting the best people involved. Well, then why is this guy hired? Seriously, why is this guy getting the car keys and not um, say, oh, I don't know, um, Dana Brown? Why not Dana Brown? Do you know who Dana Brown is? The vice president of scouting for the Braves. You know, the scouts for the Braves who just put together a World Series champion team, a scout for the Braves, which turned the trade deadline into a cornucopia of October heroes, including both league championship series and World Series MVPs and another postseason hero in Jock Peterson rebuilding on the fly. A lot of that's done through their scouting. The guy in charge of that scouting department. Not a lily white guy, Dana Brown. Why isn't he getting the car keys to a team? Why isn't he getting a chance? And what did Billy Epler do to get a second chance? Hey, this guy couldn't win with piles of money and the biggest superstar in the league. The league should be furious of what Epler did as the general manager. And do you know what? How much of it is Artie Moreno's fault? I don't 100% know, but the one putting together the team couldn't put together a team that put the person who should be the marquee member, the marquee face of baseball, 
played golf every single October that this guy was in charge of the Angels. The prime of the best player of this generation did not play a single postseason game, played as many postseason games as I did while this guy was in general manager. Over five seasons, that's more than a presidential term. And he gets a shot again. Are these the best people? Are the best people being hired? What did this guy do to deserve a second chance? While a Dana Brown is not a GM yet. You know, I remember when Kim Ng was hired by the Marlins and a couple of people criticized it who said like, oh, it's just a politically correct move or something like that. One person said, oh, is she qualified? It's like, I don't know. She's only been involved in baseball front offices for over 20 years and was working alongside Brian Cashman when the great team of 1998 was assembled. Cashman gets to be the young phenom GM and Eng has to wait several decades for a shot. Billy Epler can't put a mediocre team around the face of baseball and he gets another turn. Are the best people being hired? I want the best people to be hired. I don't think Billy Epler's the best people. Was that grammatically correct? No. But do you know what? That's how we're ending this podcast with bad grammar. But thanks so much for making us your first listen as we're available for free on all your podcast catchers. And do you know what? Do you have a second listen that you're going to have? Well, let me make a case for you. And that should be Locked On Bets, which is your one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis from Lee Sterling. I'm sure they have a lot to say about the football games that took place on Sunday. I don't because I don't follow football. Anyway, hey. For those of you who like listening about baseball in the offseason, here we go. Hey, we got a couple of things coming up this week, including I'm doing a revamping of the suffering index. I think that's coming out tomorrow. And on Thursday, I'm going to be talking on Thanksgiving Day. There's going to be a new podcast on Thanksgiving Day where I'm going to be saying goodbye to my baseball card collection, but for the right reason. This has been Locked On MLB for the 22nd day of November 20. 22. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sullivan. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.